Mark chapter number 13, and uh, we went, kind of introduced this passage. This is uh, the chapter here of uh, the second Olivet Discourse. Uh, This is also found in Matthew 24 and 25, and in Luke 21, and again, Matthew 24 and 25 is two chapters on it by Matthew because of the perspective, that dispensational perspective that he gives. Luke is just a chapter, Mark's a chapter here. Matthew, when he gives that over those two chapters, it's really in three sections in Matthew. We're not studying Matthew, but uh, he, the first section is about the, the last days, Israel and the tribulation, the little flock is the second section. And then that third section is the Gentiles and the kingdom. Luke, you see the human side of everything. Mark here, he's not interested in any of that. He just is now going to see that he's interested in in the servant and what the servants and about their service. So we're going to have the 12 and we're going to have the little flock, the 12 leading the little flock during the 70th week. And uh, the period leading up to it, here's what they're going to be doing. And that's literally the focus here in Mark 13. Uh, Again, verse 1, And as he went out of the temple, one of his disciples saith unto him, Master, see what manner of stones and what what buildings are here. And we looked at that. He's leaving the temple. He's been in it. He's cleaned it out. He's stopped all of the temple worship and now he's on his way and literally uh, Matthew he'll say uh, your house is now desolate I'm leaving and it's literally the glory of God leaving the temple Uh, you see a picture of it in the Old Testament go back to Ezekiel 9 Uh, Ezekiel 9 and you you get a there's there's really two temple periods in Israel's history. The first temple built by Solomon, who then goes and it gets destroyed under the Babylonian captivity. And then there's a second period, temple period where it gets rebuilt. Remember in John, he says it took him 46 years to rebuild this temple. And then that gets destroyed in uh, 70 AD-ish with Rome and so forth. So really, if you notice here, in Ezekiel 9, if you look at verse 3, and the glory of the Lord, I'm sorry, the glory of the God of Israel was gone up from the cherub, whereupon he was to the threshold of the house. And he called to the man clothed with linen, which had the writer's inkhorn by his side. And the Lord said unto him, and off he goes. So the glory of God of Israel was gone up from the cherub, whereupon he was. So he's in the most holy place okay and the glory is going to move out of that to the threshold come over to chapter 10 verse number four Uh, then the glory of the lord went up from the cherub and stood over the threshold of the house and the house was filled with the cloud and the court was filled of brightness of the lord's glory and the sound of cherub wings was heard even to the outer court as the voice of the almighty god when he speaketh so now it's, he's, he's over, and now he's going to get ready to depart from the house. Verse 18, Then the glory of the Lord departed from off the threshold of the house and stood over the cherubims. 
the cherubims lifted up their wings and mounted up uh, from the earth in, in sight when they went out. And the wheels also were behind them, and every one stood at the door of the east gate of the Lord's house. And the glory of the God of Israel was gone over them. There's your wheels in the sky uh, turning round and round the, the song. Okay, it's where it comes from, it co right here. But what you have is, is he leap. The glory gets up out of the cherubs, comes over to the threshold, and then of the house, and then he leaves the house. But notice he goes over by the door, the, and everyone stood at the door of the east gate of the Lord's house. So when you stand in the east gate and you look out at, you know what you're looking at? The Mount of Olives. That's where you're looking. So the glory leaves. The last place it's seen is right over the Mount of Olives, which is where we're at in Mark 13. So when you come to Mark 13, and we talked about this last time, the, he's sitting at the, on the Mount of Olives. Acts 1, the last place the Lord is seen and as he ascends up is in the Mount of Olives. Zechariah 14, 4, we looked last time when he comes back. The first place he puts his foot on the earth is on the Mount of Olives. When he's coming down, making war, and doing all that, he's riding that horse. He doesn't touch the ground until he crosses over and he goes in. So in Mark 13, they're seeing the glory leave. They, they've, they, they've lost their glory as God's nation, as God's kingdom. And the last place they're going to see it is on that Mount of Olives. Just like in Ezekiel. Now, Ezekiel is contemporary with Isaiah and Jeremiah and Daniel with about the 70 week and about Babylon, the captivity coming. So the last place they see it there is they're going off to captivity. And here, the Lord Jesus Christ in his earthly ministry, in humanity, in the, in, 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 uh, they have rejected him. He goes out. Sits on the Mount of Olives. The glory is leaving. This was my father's house. Now it's your house. Why? Because I'm leaving. And you ain't going to see me again until I come back, he says in Matthew. So back here in Mark 13, and Jesus answering, verse 2, said unto him, Seest thou these great buildings? There shall not be left one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, over against the temple, Peter and James and John and Andrew ask him privately. So he goes out and he sits down and he's looking down at that temple. And he's going to go. And, and again, the setting here is critical. In verse 2 and 1 and 2, when they ask about those buildings, we looked last time, Luke says the goodly stones. It isn't about the physical building. Remember we read that passage in Isaiah where he's going to plow over Zion. He's going to just plow it all under. Well, I've watched enough plows in my day that sometimes stones get stacked on top of stones. They don't always get out. What he's talking about is that they are adorning, they're admiring, verse 1, Master, see what manner of stones and what buildings are here. They're admiring the splendor, the glory, the pomp, the circumstance, the the whole of that vain religious system that sits in that temple now. He's leaving the temple. He's moving on as Christ here as rejected 
well, really, as rejected son of man. That's who he is. They're not, that darkness has come in and covered over. Uh, we were looking uh, Sunday in Romans 15 there. Uh, about in, when we went back into Isaiah 60, and there's that c gross darkness that covers the people. That's where they're at. They're caught up in that vain religious system, and they're looking at the beauty of that religious system. And Judas, he's all caught up in it. Well, we looked last time. He's caught up in that scarlet purple and that golden cup. And uh, religion just simply fulfills the lust of the flesh, and that's what Judas had. He was all caught in it. And Christ is simply stating, we're out of here, and we ain't coming back. We're leaving. We're leaving all of this. And, we're, and you know, Judas, no way, man. What do you mean we're leaving this? Hey, guys, look, why? And, and he just says, nope, we're out, and we're on our way. There's nothing left here. It's all vain. It's all that old messianic law system where you guys have taken and, you're, and you've apostated it. You've, you've killed it. And they've made a religion out of what God said they were to do. They made a religion out of it. And that now is over here making the word of God of none effect. A thing in Matthew where he says, you, are, you, tithe, on the, but you tithe on the anise and the, and, and, uh, the little things. The cumin, that was the word. But you ignore the more weightier things of the law, and that's what they've done. Uh, by the way, you, you see the thing about what manner of stones, and Luke says goodly stones? Come over to 1 Peter chapter 2. I, I was doing some light reading today, and uh, it's an interesting thing here in 1 Peter 2. It, when you think about that issue about the stones, verse 3, if so be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Okay, so we're talking about the little flock here. To whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. You see, there's a stone that God has chosen. Okay. He's, it's the real thing. Here's this living stone that God has chosen. It's outside of that religious system. He's talking about the little flock here. Verse 5, ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. The, the little flock, the, the 12 apostles, they're going to be the true source of life here moving forward. That new covenant is guaranteed with them, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to be in them. So when you come back here to Mark 13, and he's talking about, you see those stones over there? There's That old vain religious building you're looking at is gone. I'm not in the building anymore. I'm in the people now. I'm over here in the little flock. Now, you and I today, we're the temple, the habitation of God today. He's here. He's not in this building, okay? But we're not talking about us. We're talking about these guys. So when you come to, back to Mark 13, so here in the discourse, he's about what's in the future here for him. And that's what Mark 13 is going to do is, all right, you guys are the servants, and you're going to be serving, 
and here's what's coming your way. Here's the deal here. Think about this. He's two days from dying. He's three days later going to be resurrected, and then 40 days later he ascends. So things are moving here, and he's getting them ready to understand what's going to happen in the future. Not dispensationally, that's what Matthew does, but rather he comes in and says, this is what you guys are going to do. Uh, look over at verse 34, 1334, Mark. For the Son of Man is as a man taking a far journey who left his house. Now, when we get down here, we'll go through all the detail, but and gave authority to his servants and to every man his work and commanded the porter to watch. What is he doing here? He's, he's, he gave the servants authority, represent him in his absence. He told them, while I'm gone, you guys are going to occupy. You got a job to do, and that's that early Acts ministry. So when we look here, go back up there in, in Mark 13, the whole setting here is what's going to be critical. And it's going to focus in on what they are going to be doing. And when I say they, the 12, and the, thus then the little flock as they lead the little flock. Here's what's coming in the future, and here's what you're going to do. When this happens, you're going to do this, okay? So we're not talking about anything out of the ordinary, this is just, he's on his way to Calvary, he's getting the servants ready, and again, Mark hones in on that servant issue, and here's what the servants are going to be doing. Verse 3 again, 13.3, by the way, Peter and James, and John and Andrew, those are two sets of brothers here, they come, they represent the twelve, the twelve come, he's going to sit with them, he sits with them privately, verse 4, Tell us, when shall these, th these things be, and what shall be the sign when all these things shall be fulfilled? Two questions, the what, or the when, and the what, okay? Now, in Matthew 24, last time we read the verse there, and, it, and it, uh, he talks there about, <coughs> let's read it because I'm drawing a blank. Matthew 24 In verse 3, and as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? Question mark. So it, most will say there's three, part, there's three questions. No, there's only two question marks. The second part has two components to it, because when is this going to happen, and what are the signs going to be? See that? So now, so when is he, he's, when is he coming and what tells us it's here? Now, go back there to Mark 13, because he's going to answer the when in verse 32. He's going to answer their two questions in a reverse, reverse order, and he's doing it as a teaser to keep you to coming back, <laughs> okay, because it's, well, look at verse 32. But of that day and that hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels, 
which are in heaven, neither the Son but the Father. When's this going to happen? Nobody knows. Isn't that interesting? He, he, he just, boom. The answer is no one can know. And the real issue here in the, in the, con, in the text in Mark 13 isn't when. By the way, when does the end of the world come? When he returns in his second coming, see? Okay? But the real issue here in Mark 13 isn't when, because you really can't know. The real question is the what. What are the signs? That's the real question. What is the signs of, of your return when all this is going to be fulfilled? So the real question is the what. That's what he's spending most of the time talking about. And there's a great reason here. So he, and he answers the what in three parts. Verse 6 to 13, he's going to give them, here's, don't be troubled. Verse 6, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am, the, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And when ye shall hear of wars and rumors of war, be ye not troubled, for such things must needs be, but the end shall not be yet. See that? Things are bad. They look bad. So the Lord's coming. Nope. That's not it. See, you know, no, no and again, well, I hear it today. Well, you know, how can the Lord not come back today? Look at the world. But all that is doing is rumors. It's designed to pull you away from the truth. See, we were talking about the controversies and the conspiracies, sorry, earlier. All that's designed to do is to pull you away from what's really coming. You see, his answer but the end shall not be. Verse 8. Look at the end of that verse. These are the beginnings of sorrow. He comes at the end of it. So the first section here is that there are going to be, he's going to get into this issue of there are some non-signs that are going to happen that the preachers are going to use to try to make you think God's com I'm coming, and I'm not coming yet. And that, again, that's what Ma Mark is going to focus in on. You, you need to pay attention. You need to be careful. You need to take heed. See, you need to be on guard because there's some stuff. He's warning them here. There's going to be some stuff coming out there that isn't. It's not the end yet. It isn't here yet. Then the second section, he starts in verse 14, runs down through verse 27. And there, if you look at verse 14, But when ye shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing, where it ought not, let him that readeth understand, then let them that be in Judea flee to the mountain. He, he went right... He didn't start at the beginning of the 70th week. He went right to the middle of it. Daniel 9's prophecy. And then he says, here are the signs. You're going to be looking for this. When you see this, it's time to, you know, here, I'm coming. And he's going to lay all that out. Now, he doesn't start at the beginning of the week. And there's reasons why we'll get into it when we get in here in this, and when we get down there. But then he's like, hey, look, you're going to see guys say, don't you know, don't, can't you see, you know, man, don't you see Revelation being fulfilled today? 
Don't you see, you know, we're in Revelation 6, the four horsemen of the apocalypse, here they are. And the Lord said, no, that ain't right. I ain't coming back. That's the beginning of the sorrow. By the way, the Revelation 6 is with the signing of the covenant with, those, with the Antichrist is the beginning of the 70th week. Daniel 9.27 says that. So he doesn't, so the sign thing gets, it's over here. Then the last section is the end of the, the rest of the chapter, verse 28 to, to 32. He gives a parable of the, of, of the fig tree here, and he's going to get into the fact that when all this is going on, there's going to be such religious apostasy going on as well. And you guys are going to have to be on guard against it. So before he tells them the when, he shows them the what, the signs, the real issues, what's really coming on, what's really, what you're really going to be doing. So there's something beyond here that, than just, oh man, look, we can see this today. You know, you can see a lot of things today that look like prophetic scripture being fulfilled and if you understand the word rightly divided in dispensational Bible study, you know what? That, didn't be in, that isn't that. See. By the way, the only reason you would know that is that is to get beyond it, look back at it, and say that's what God's word said. God's word says this is what's going to happen. We can look back and we can identify that the Antichrist will be out of Syria, the Tur Turkey-Syria area. He, why? He's an Assyrian. We don't know who he is, personally, physically, to look at him. We just know that's where he's coming. He's going to be a man, first son of man, or man of sin, first half of first three and a half years. We can see that. We don't know who he is. Only way you're going to know that is to be beyond it, to look back and say, that ticks all the verses right there. See. So don't get pulled up and Again, we're not here in Mark 13 anyway. I'm talking about we, the church, the body of Christ, okay? So Mark is going to make a different, he, he's got a different viewpoint here than Matthew and then Luke. And the emphasis, again, Matthew is looking at the dispensational information, the order, the structure, the details. Mark is coming in. And he's like, okay, here he's coming from the point of view of the servants, the people that are going to be going down through all of that. And, and again, Mark, in verse 6 and following, he, ta he, he talks about them. And he focuses in on the people. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And when ye shall hear of wars and rumors of war, be ye not troubled, for such things must needs be, but the end shall not be. You see, the ye, he's talking right to them, verse 9, but take heed to yourselves, for they shall deliver you up to councils and so forth. And again, so there's this great focus in on, guys, don't focus on your circumstances. You need to focus more on what you're doing in the circumstance. Because this is coming your way. This is the prophetic clock. You're going to face this guy. You need to know how to act and behave and to get down through this. You follow that? That's what he's after here. Okay? 
Now, come over to Matthew 24. Because, again, if you look there at the question, what shall be the sign when all these things shall be fulfilled? Now, we read Matthew 24 just a minute ago, so I'll go back over there. <clears throat> because there's a question that comes up in all of this about Matthew 24, verse 3, the way it ends. Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? And what happens is, is people focus in on the end of the world. See that? And what they do, again, this is two questions. The last part of, that, of, the, of the, the second question is in two parts. His coming back brings the end of the world. And they want to know the signs leading up to that, what's happening. But do you see that end of the world thing there? Now, what they do is, is they use that, come over with me to Ephesians 3, and the Bible critics use this, and then they use it in comparison with Ephesians 3.21. And what they want to do is, is they want to say, see, you have a contradiction in your Bible. And it comes from, honestly, it comes from, the reason why they say this stuff, and I, I hear people say it a lot, <laughs> is they don't understand Matthew 24, 3. When you don't understand Matthew 24, 3, or when you don't understand anything in Scripture, what do you do? Keep reading. Put in the back of your mind, go find another verse, keep reading. Keep, why? Because eventually another verse is going to pop up that's going to go, ha-ha, see, Now, look at Ephesians 3.21. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all the ages, world without end. See, look, oh, you got to wait. Oh, no, look. You got one verse says the world's ending, the end of the world, and the other one says the world without end. See, right? And, it's, and it just comes from... Uh, we don't understand what's happening. We don't understand the context of Matthew. We don't understand Ephesians. So we're just going to go over here and say, then the Bible's wrong. The Word of God, actually, the King James Bible is wrong. Get a little more specific, okay? And again, if you don't, you know, if you don't understand something, just keep reading. It'll pop. Come over with me to Isaiah 45. In prophecy, even. It says this, Isaiah 45, verse 17. It says, at the coming of the Lord, Isaiah 45, he's talking about the coming of the Lord, the establishment of the kingdom, verse 17, but Israel shall be saved in the Lord with an everlasting salvation. Ye shall not be ashamed nor confounded, world without end. Wait a minute. The prophet said world without end. Jesus Christ contradicts it and says the end of the world. What's going on here? What's happening? And again, it comes from just not understanding the, the text, the context, and what's happening. So, in helping of understanding, they pull out the Greek. And when they pull the Greek out, I usually go... Oh, they're done talking.
just why? Because they can't read Greek either. So we get the cosmos world. Cosmos and eon. By the way, Strong's does not help you. You know why? Because Strong's gives you like 20 different answers, 20 different definitions, and you've got to figure out which, one he's, which one's going on. Sorry. I love Strong's. Don't get, you know why I like Strong's? Because it runs all the verses for me, and I can find all the verses. <laughs> Stay out of the Greek part of it. So what happens? Cosmos the, the, and eon, the ages, cosmos, the system, the galaxy, you know, and we, again, we understand that. World of science, the, the system of science, math, the world of. In, in sports, it's what used to be called the, world, the wide world of sports. And then it became the age of sport. So we understand world does not always mean that it's talking about the planet, the earth, the dirt. Okay? And when we read world without end we're not we usually we usually think the planet doesn't end see so th there's something else going on here you're in Isaiah 45 look over at chapter 23 the context is what's going to tell you okay what he's what he's talking about if you'll just trust your Bible when you don't understand your Bible, you'll discover that there will be a verse in the Bible that will come along and help explain some things that, to you that you don't know and understand about. So, like, when you read that world, you've got to be very careful. It isn't always the planet, and it isn't always the age. And actually, sometimes... The word eon is talking about the planet. It's just like that, 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 that great love word, agape. Do you know that agape in John is used interchangeable with phileo, the brotherly love sense? Agape, God's great love, you know, everybody uses it for charity. And literally, when the Lord asks Peter, do you love me? Do you agape me? Do you agape me? And Peter says, well, yes, I phileo you. And then the Lord says, Peter, do you phileo me? And he goes, yes, Lord, I phileo you. Do you really? Do you? And, but when you, and, and that was the Greek. But when you read it, it isn't that at all. It's, it's the, so don't play the Greek game. It, it get, it'll break your neck. So therefore, that's all the Greek game I play. Look at Isaiah 23. Again, when you, see, when you see something that looks like a contradiction, don't jump to the Bible is wrong. But rather go look for another verse to help you understand what you don't understand. And keep reading, keep looking, and keep dig, digging. That's why wisdom is called a treasure. What do we do with treasure? We bury it, and then we go dig it up, don't we? 2317. And it shall come to pass after the end of 70 years that the Lord will visit Tyre, and she shall turn to her hire and shall commit fornication with all the kingdoms of the world upon the face of the earth. Huh? You see how you got world and earth? Notice the kingdoms of the world are one thing 
and they reside on the face of the earth. So world here is not a reference to the planet. It's rather a reference to what? The kingdoms, that governmental system that's working on the planet earth. Okay, so world, again, it can refer to more than just the dirt. Come back over with me to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11. And, and I mean, I'm not, I look around the room, I don't think you guys have this hang up, but so I just know it gets out there and I know other people listen and so forth and they get hung up. Well, it says end of the world and this one says world without end. So, you know. And it's like, no, just keep reading, study it out, and look, look at things. Uh, Hebrews 11, uh, look at verse 3. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Now, the word worlds there is the word eon for age. But that can never refer to a physical thing, can it? But yet, what did he just say? The things that appear, the physical universe out there is what he created, and he called it what? Worlds. So you've got to be careful with that, okay? Uh, Revelation 11. I'm going to beat a dead horse. Might as well beat it good, right? Revelation 11. I told you, I had a day. Revelation 11. Revelation 11, look, if you will, at verse 15. Revelation 11, 15. And the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Notice, the kingdoms of this world become whose? The Lord's. Okay? When he comes back... And in his second coming, he's going to take over. He, all of the Gentile kingdoms are what? They're done. They're over. Daniel 2, that stone cut without hands just annihilates them. Their kingdoms are finished. He becomes king of king and lord of lords. Now, what, what they're looking at, what they're asking in, question, in Mark... 13 is what's the sign of your coming when are all these kingdoms going to end up being yours and thus the end of the world the end of the systems here the end of the governmental system the gentiles the time of the gentiles when's all that ending and that's what he's after come over to galatians 1 you follow that so when he says end of the world he's not talking about the planet blowing up by the way, it does eventually. That's called the new heaven, the new earth. But in Matthew 23, he isn't talking about that, or Mark 13. He's talking about his the tribulation, the 70th week of Daniel, Galatians 1. The 70th week of Daniel and his coming. His second, and in his second coming, when he returns, what's going to happen? All of those kingdoms of the world out there are going to come to an end. The Gentile reign over the world is over. It is done. It started in Nebuchadnezzar, Daniel 2 there with that great vision, and they know that. That's why he'll say, let him that read understand Daniel, 
got to understand that. And he lays it out. Look at verse 4, Galatians 1, verse 4. Who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. That's not a, the present evil world is not about this planet. There's nothing evil about this planet. What's evil? The system, the course of the world. You see, he's not talking about the planet, the dirt. The dirt never did you no wrong, except get you in trouble with mom when you played in it too long. He's not talking about that. He's talking about the system of oper that's operating on the planet. So again, the end of the world, the world without end, he's talking about he's talking about the stuff on the planet, not the planet itself. And again, when he come over to John 18, I told you it would beat the dead horse. John 18, huh? Okay. I'm hearing things now. Woohoo. All right. Give me the Powerball numbers. <laughs> Do something quick. When the Lord comes back again, the kingdoms of the world are going to be replaced with his. What is, they're going to come to an end. See. By the way, when you and I are raptured up into the heavenly places, Revelation 12, the kingdom of God is established in the heavens. You and the heavens rejoice. There, what did, who did we replace? Well, the war cleans out the adversarial components, and we fill that bad boy up. What did we do? We dispossessed. He dispossesses the heavenly governments, and he inserts us. What did we do? We put an end to that up there, and now we're in it. John 18. John 18. Um, just start there in verse 33. Then Pilate, in, uh, then Pilate entered into the judgment hall again and called Jesus and said unto him, Art thou the king of the Jews? So Jesus is in front of Pilate, going to Calvary. Jesus answered him, say, answer, excuse me, answered him, sayest thou this thing of thyself, or did others tell it thee of me? <laughs> I love the sarcasm. <laughs> Just kidding. Did you figure that on out on your own, big boy, or did somebody tell you that? How you doing over there? I mean, he just the the Lord's sarcasm is wonderful because he's nailing Pilate. He's just sticking him. And Pilate gets upset. Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? I mean, I, I'm not a Jew. I'm not that old stinking Jew thing. Oh, no, your own countrymen, thine own nation and chief priests have delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? I mean, look at uh, Peter got, uh, Peter, Pilate got really mad quick. Now watch verse 36. Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. Isn't that interesting? If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not far from, not, not from hence. Now you want to watch some people bug out, give them that verse. Because what the, the word that they miss in all of that is that but now, is the now. When the Lord is sitting in front of Pilate, it's not time for the kingdom of the son to come and to annihilate the kingdom of the Gentile. It's not time. By the way, that, the word now is missing in the new Bible. It's gone. It's footnoted in the new King James. Ooh, 
that but now is needed. Why? Because he's making a dispensational, he's drawing a timeline here. He says, listen, guys, when I, if, if, listen, Pilate, if I was, if, if it was time for my kingdom to be set up here on this planet, you wouldn't, there's nothing you could do to stop it. It's just going to roll right over you like a, like that big stone and not, and, and so it's not the timing. That's the thing here. So come back there to Matthew, or I'm sorry, to Mark 13. I say all that. Because the question in, that gets raised there, again, Mark doesn't say that. He doesn't say, and the end of the world. He just says, when are all these things going to be fulfilled? Matthew brings it up. People bring that, bring that into it. And just when you just, li- just listen to them, hear them out till they play the Greek game, and then you can just say, okay. But again, don't, get in, don't catch yourself saying, well, the world means the planet all the time. And the age means, no, you can, those are interchangeable usage. Okay? So the Lord's going to answer, verse 5, 13, 5. And Jesus answering them began to say, Take heed lest any man deceive you. Again, be careful. You're going to get deceived. And again, that's going to be the issue from verse 6 to 13 in the in the work of the servant, as the servant is now going to go down through that 70th week of Daniel, he's going to go through the events that are going to lead up to that day. There's a lot of deception coming your way. Don't let somebody come and take you away from understanding the doctrine, the truth that I just committed to you guys back over here in the first 12 chapters. Don't let them take it away from you. What are they going to do? I am a, they're going to be many shall come to, in my name saying I am Christ and shall deceive many. That's that test that comes up later for them in 1 John. If any man say Christ hasn't come in the, you know, in the flesh already, he's not. He's, he's an antichrist. That's that test that's coming. That, now that isn't here because the Lord's still here, but he's educating them. He, he's getting them ready. Come over to Luke 18. And again, we, we need to be very careful to remember that we are not in Mark 13. And when I say we, I'm talking about the dispensation of grace or the body of Christ. You and I, we, 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 he is not talking about us looking out there going, is that us or not? No, he's talking about that little flock, the 12 apostles, as they're going to move through. He's going to talk about what they're going to face and then what they're going to do in his absence. So he's literally looking across the prophetic timeline right over the body of Christ, dispensation of grace. He doesn't even see it. He closes the chart. <laughs> he just right across it. Daniel does the same thing. Daniel 9's for... He just looks right across there, and he doesn't see. Why? It's a mystery. It's been kept secret. It's hidden in God. It's not revealed yet. And right across there he goes. Luke 18, uh, verse 8. Luke 18, 8. I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. Now think about what... When the Son of Man comes back, is he going to find faith on the earth? 
The answer is no. Because Israel is going to be void of any faith in the Son of Man. What are they saying? Back to Mark 13, 5. What are they doing here? He's, he's telling them, you need to take heed lest any man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. He, it's that verse in 1 John. Oh, man. Go over there real quick, 1 John 2. We'll, we'll get into all this a little more in depth next week when we get into 6 to 13. They're, when they say, I am Christ, and shall, they're not believing that Jesus Christ, right in front of them, is the Son of Man. They think he's an imposter. They think he's a make-believe. They hate him. They're trying to kill him. They don't believe that he's Christ. So when they say, I am Christ, what are they doing? They're not, they're, they're no faith. Israel, the nation, is in complete apostasy. John, 1 John 2, did I tell you that? I'm sorry, 1 John 2. If you look there at verse 18, little children, it is the last time, and as you have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. So here in the early book of early of Acts, where this is written out, what do they see happening? They see the stage being set for what? Many antichrists. All the false prophets are all of the deception. It's on board going. Then, uh, I'm sorry, they went out from us. Now watch. But they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. You know what these are? These are Jewish people who say they're of the house of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who say that they're the Jews, produced the lineage, and yet they say that Christ didn't come back there, and we're looking for him to return, and they build up a deception. And the Lord's looking at the little flock saying, don't you fall for that. Here's what's coming your way. Don't be led astray by the imposter, the imitator. So when you come back to Mark 13, this isn't tiptoe through the tulip time. This is rubber meeting the road. Why? Two days he's going to die. It's, I got to get you there. Let's go. And he's moving them along. So as we go through 6 to 13 here next time again, in more detail, he's demonstrating that he is the Son of Man and that Christ as the Son of Man is their only escape from being deceived by the pretenders, by being perceived, by being deceived, sorry, by the impersonator, imposters. So off they go. And he's like, I'm warning you. Verse 7, you've got rumors of war. You've got, be ye not troubled. There's a warning. And when ye shall hear of wars and rumors of war, be ye not troubled. Why? For things, those things have to happen. There's a whole list in Daniel that's got to play out. And that's not my coming, by the way. That's not even the sign of my coming. It's just... Events that have got to take place. All of the 
all their claims. They're, he's not the, they're not the real deal. And that's what you've got. Verse 10, he says, And the gospel must first be published among all nations, but when they shall lead you and deliver you up, take no thought beforehand. You see, they got a testimony out there to give. Verse 13, and ye shall be hated of all men for my name. Why? They're going to go out there and publish the gospel to all the, the nations out there in that roundabout region. They're going to go out there and do what they've been told to do. And what's going to happen to them? They're going to be hated. So you got the overcomers' messages in Revelation 2 and 3. That's not you and I, sorry. That's these guys. By the way, the seven churches... Those seven locations tell you where they're doing their ministry, the Mediterranean area. Well, Paul had Ephesus. Wrong, wrong church. That was a church down the street, okay? And by the way, it hasn't happened yet. It's future of Paul. It's future of us. Say, we interrupted that bad boy. But what you get is you get to learn where they're going to be working, and what are they going to do? They're going to come up against hatred. I mean, you think about it. And ye shall be hated, verse 13, of all, of all men for my name's sake, but he that shall endure unto the end shall be saved. By the way, context, saved from what? The tribulation, the rumors, all the hatred. This isn't soul salvation. This is a physical salvation into the kingdom. Because Israel needs that. That's part of their program. Note the warning here. See? All right? Look, look down at verse 35. Verse 35. Notice. Watch ye therefore, for ye know not when the master of the house cometh. Verse 37. And what I say unto you, I say unto all. Watch. Wake up. Pay attention. Take heed. You're going to be deceived. You're going to get taken away. All of that out there that you're looking at is false. It's not the real thing. The whole issue here, and what Mark's focusing in on, is that the sound doctrine that they're going to need that will keep them, the little flock, the twelve, from apostasy. And again, <laughs> I know what we do. We focus in on the end of verse 13. No, the same shall be saved if you endure to the end. Endure to the end of what? The context, verse 14, is the 70th week of Daniel. How are you doing with that? We're not even in it. And yet, what? No. It has not. Folks, you can't put on Israel our salvation and hope. It doesn't work. They've got a whole big old thing that they've got to do. But yet the attack is on so that they get carried away. From, they get carried away into apostasy. They're deceived so that they won't be that nation that God needs to then bring in the kingdom that needs to be there. That's why, again, Revelation 2, Re, Revelation 3, and those, he, he looks at those guys, he says, you're going to get martyred. You're going to get killed. You're going to be beheaded. But yet you're going to have a crown of life over here. You won't see the second death. You're going to be good to go. What hope they have. You know, here they are doing and boom, let's be faithful. 
13.13, again, it gets used, again, no eternal security. Classic verse to use on your, on your eternal security stuff, not even there. By the way, when somebody uses that, the number one issue is in that is they don't know what saved is in the context. Salvation, that word saved, delivered from calamity, trouble, hurt. They've got a whole list of them. Not, not always unto eternal life. Paul tells the Philippians, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You don't work to get justified, but there sure is a work in life to figure out, saved in the moment, from the moment, from the terror. Okay? Now, time's up. We got verse 6. We'll start there next time. But I, I want you to see something just real quick here, okay? Look at verse 4. Tell us when shall these things be, and what shall be the signs when all these things shall be fulfilled. Now look at verse 14. But when ye shall see. Okay, wait a second. What, are they, what do they want to know? When and what? What's the signs? Okay, when all these things are going to be fulfilled. We're looking for something. Verse 14. When ye shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing where it ought not, let him that readeth understand and let them, and so off he goes. Do you see that, that the sign that they're looking for, Mark goes right to the middle of the week, the midst of the week. I hate saying middle because then people pinpoint. No, it's the midst. Daniel uses the term midst. He goes right there. He doesn't start. When does the start happen? Daniel 9.27 with the signing of the covenant agreement with the Antichrist, death and hell, Isaiah calls it. That isn't in Mark 13. It isn't there. He goes right to the midst of the week. Now, when we go through 6 to 13, you'll see why, okay? But what I just want you to think about this is that there's Mark's focus isn't what we learn in Matthew, where he's looking at the dispensational picture and the bouncing of the timing of everything. Mark comes in and says, here's what you guys are going to face, and here's what you're going to do in that situation. And they're not facing what you and I face today. It'll, what they're facing is on steroids from what we face. In this, in this day and age, I don't care, you name the country, China, India, the believers there, these guys, it's 10 times, 70 times that. Because they got people headhunting them, and it's their neighbors doing it. It's family, it's friends, it's acquaintances, and they're turning them in. So we're going to pick up in verse 6 next time. The hour's up. But just catch what's happening here. I'm trying to get you to see the flow because we're going to get down into the weeds here a little bit. Uh, we'll do 6 to 13 and see the issues and so forth next time, okay? All right, that hour flew by. All right, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the evening, Lord. We thank you for your word. And above all, Lord, we just thank you for who we are in your Son. As we come to your word and as we study it and we look into it, we can just rejoice in it, recognizing what you're doing with your people, the nation of Israel and their program, and we can have the confidence and the assurance that what you're doing with them, and you said you would do with them, you're doing it and will do it, and that confidence then we can have that you'll do for us as well. In your name we pray, amen.